Good, so chapter three, um, we are, what did I do with my book? Here we go. St. Teresa's concept of meditation. So just to get us started here, what aspects of the human person is the St. Teresa assert need to be engaged in prayer? What does she talk about in this chapter? Intellect, will, what else? Memory. Memory? Mm -hmm. Anything else? Yeah, the intellect and the will are, are being talked about as, as mind and heart. Um, maybe it's not specifically mentioned. Uh, but the, the imagination can be tossed in there too, right? So this is, this is on the book, page 15. But so the basic things are the intellect... And to be honest with you, the breakdown of the human person here is a little, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But it's, it's maybe not as precise as, as we might do. But it's good enough for the class for today, right? And so these are the aspects of the person that, and again, like when we go to prayer, it's not that we should sit around and going, okay, okay, now, now the will. Okay, now I'm going to kick this one in. No, but just to be able to consider a little bit like what's going on as we are moving through prayer, right? And so... The, um, let's see here. So this, this is the, uh, the more or less the... the the diagram in the book. Can anybody just give me an overview of what the chapter basically says on how things work? Just basically, like, so how, how's this supposed to work out? Like, what, what's all this stuff? What's going on with this stuff? Intellect, memory, consideration, conversation. Mm -hmm. so, Assuming? Uh, so the person that's praying is employed the intellect and its faculties to mm -hmm. sort of create like a framework yeah, yeah, so the use of the, the intellect, and then that somehow there's this thing that's being examined or considered or sort of held, right? So you're sort of gazing upon it, not physically, although if you have like an image, it could be physical, and that somehow this is supposed to help to, to ha set the framework, I like that, I like that, framework for a place to be able to allow ourselves to encounter the Lord, right? Somehow this, this exchange between my stick figure, me, and God, right, is somehow facilitated by me using these, these interior faculties that I have of memory, imagination, the intellect, sort of gazing upon whatever I'm considering, and then out of that comes this willed, uh, this choice to converse with Christ and this movement of the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else add anything to that or that anything else that struck you particularly? Mm -hmm. Just like how she, she spoke about how you know, it connotes a little bit, it's not so much thinking about something, but it's loving something. Yeah. So it's much more personal than just, because it, it can be so easy just to like, study it up, oh, there's an intellect, and I'll just, just with my intellect, think yep. about God. Yep. But when the will, the heart, 
That's right. That's excellent. Yeah, that's definitely one of the points that I, I was going to bring up is that there's this emphasis on the importance of love, right? So everybody, and there can be some exceptions to this, but everybody can have this sort of temptation to, to just think about cool stuff, right? And learn new things. And in one sense, I think exactly that point uh, of, the, of the centrality of love is one of the things that connects this Carmelite spirituality with Franciscan, right? So Franciscan spirituality and Franciscan prayer has this definite emphasis on an affective, right? Affective, what's affective mean? Like effective means it gets stuff done. What's affective? Start spelled with an A. I'll use this word a lot this year. What's affective refer to? Yeah, it's, it has to do with emotions, or it has to do with something that's felt, right? An affective response is a felt response. And so Franciscan prayer and Franciscan preaching, right, which is one of the things that really typified um, the, the early Franciscans is they went out and they weren't talking about these high theological concepts. They were like, repent, <laughs> you know, like Jesus died for you on the cross. Jesus is there, like, look at him in the manger, like, let your heart be moved so your life has changed, right? Not, well, let's, let me prove to you that God exists and we'll talk about the, the different, you know, whatever. So it was definitely this more appeal to the heart and the prayer is very similar, right? The Franciscan spirituality has a lot to do with this affective dimension of the human person and the will. So... We see some connections here, and that's a, oh, Mother Teresa falling out. And that's a really important thing to say, right? So it's right there on page 15. She wisely enunciates a fundamental rule of meditation, that prayer consists not in thinking much, but in loving much. That will get you a long way, right? There was one time I was on a directed retreat I remember extremely clearly, like it was one of these flashbulb memories. And um, so I was walking, praying my rosary outside. I was at the Hermits of Bethlehem, walking, praying my rosary. And I, you know, my brain started to, like everybody's does, I presume, started to <whistles> meander off, you know, sort of. And it wasn't bad thoughts, you know, I wasn't like, you know. But it was, and I just had this sense that the Lord said to me, stop thinking and keep drinking, right? This sense of like, nope, just keep receiving. Don't, don't go flying off there. Stay here in this exchange of the heart, of the heart. And so we can often, we can have the, the this, uh, and we'll, this is addressed more in the book later on too, but there can be this, this temptation, right? or this safety to just think about stuff in prayer, or just to sit and read a book that I find fascinating and engaging and sort of like it spurs me on. And... But prayer always has to do with the other, and the other is always more important than me. Like in some way, shape, or form, we need to ask the Lord every time we go to pray, what do you want to talk about today, right? What do you want to talk about? And the idea in meditation is that through what we're considering, scripture, 
some sort of other text, an image, a mystery of Christ, through that, that God is going to tell us what he wants to talk about, right? So it's not like we have to just like pretend we hear something, right? But that this is so much about allowing ourselves to form some sort of picture or some sort of understanding, then allowing the intellect to gaze upon it more, and out of that, and from that, allowing the Lord to, to impact us, to speak to us, right? Allowing the other to enter in to that mystery and allow that mystery to become personal between he and I. That's the, really the thing. The mysteries of Jesus that we presumably would be the things that we would be meditating on most, re- most regularly, the mysteries of Jesus are like doorways into his heart all over the Bible, right? All over the New Testament especially. But there are these places where love is supposed to be able to begin and to be kicked off in deeper and deeper ways. Let's see, I have some, some quotations from St. Peter of Alcantara here. Page two. So this is, again, just so you don't think I'm taking you too far off track with Carmelites, here's some Franciscans saying similar things. Of certain councils, which should be observed in this holy exercise of meditation. So this is St. Peter of Alcantara. First, we are not to be so bound down as to think it wrong to pass on from it to some other subject in which we may find more devotion, more delight, more advantage, right? So he's saying, go with love. Like, don't be like, oh, no, I really, like, I want to get something out of this. No, no, let it go, baby. Like, if, if you feel drawn to the next passage, go to that, Right? Don't be stubborn. Like, where is the heart drawing you? Where is love drawing you? And and St. Peter of Alcantara says, right, take advantage of such liberty. Or not to take advantage of such liberty for any light cause, but only for some manifest advantage. So so don't just move on to something else just because you're bored or you're getting dry. No, 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 no. But if you really feel drawn to something, right, that we want to let that draw of the heart be something that really informs us. That draw of devotion, right? Devotion, this drawing of the heart could be related to consolation, right? Ignatian idea. If in some passage of prayer we find more pleasure or devotion than another, then we may rest in it for as long as this effect shall last. That's a great counsel. What does that mean? So, you know, I'm, I'm reading Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30, you know. And Jesus gave praise and thanks to the Father. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for your views, no, 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 right? And you really want to get to come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. But you are just like so struck by, I give you thanks, Father. But you're like, no, 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 I really like that heavy laden part. You know, I really want to get to that. But no, if you're like in this devotion and that word, stop. That's what St. Peter is saying. Stop. Rest. Right? So the question came up yesterday, like, how does this stuff relate to maybe this, you know, acknowledging, relating, receiving? Well, because, like, that's supposed to be happening here, too. Like, wow, I, all of a sudden I realized, like, I'm really moved by this. And the invitation is, soak in it. Stop. Drink. So we need to be so aware of what's going on in the heart, even as we enter into 
right, this memory and consideration, we want to see, like, what's going on in my heart as I begin to consider, let's take a different example, as I begin to consider Bethlehem, right? And maybe I really, like, I like Ignatius, so I'm going to make this really, like, elaborate, you know, like, sort of imagination, you know, I got the animals, and the ox is going to be this color, and the donkey's going to be that color, and, but then you just, like, take a look at Jesus' foot, and all of a sudden you're just like, well, then let go of the ox and the ass, you know? Like, don't worry about that stuff. Like, once you're drawn, you stay there. You're like, but Father, I feel silly staying with Jesus' foot for a week. Why? Right? If that's what God's giving you. Because the thing is this, and this is one of the tools that I'll, I'll offer you with Ignatius, is he has this idea of repetition where you just go back again and again to the same place where God is giving you to drink. You just go back again and again. And, you know, you may understand it in, in some more general ways of sort of your place of prayer, like it's a real place of intimacy with me, with the Lord. But in also in different ways, he's going to lead us, right, to different scriptures, different words at different times in our lives, and just to be open to that. Okay, second, just to, so what are we doing here? What's going on? How does this all work? What should, we should strive to avoid in this meditation any intellectual speculation. Well, I wonder what exactly the relationship between the first and second person of the Blessed Trinity is when this particular event happens in the life of Jesus. Now, if that leads you into a place of your heart being on fire and consolation, well, then maybe you should go along with it, Right? But if that's just leading you into, oh, yeah, I think, stop. Stop the train. You're, just take, you're leaving the station and going down the wrong track, right? We should endeavor to treat the matter more with affections and feelings of the will, of the will, than with the discursive speculation, speculating of the understanding. Meaning, don't try to sit there and take something apart with your brain allow your heart, your will to be moved, but specifying that we're, we're called to be moved in the will is important. Because there may be some things where you're in meditation and you're moved, but it may just be on a purely human level. That's possible. Maybe not as likely, but it's possible, right? Towards desolation or towards consolation. Right? Not as if preparing for preaching must we try to penetrate the subject? And I, I would like to emphasize that. Your preaching needs to flow out of your prayer, but your prayer time shouldn't just be for preaching. Your prayer time should be, if you need to use prayer time to prepare for preaching, okay. That's not my, that's not my encouragement though, right? Your prayer time is for this. This interchange, this flow, this intimacy between God and I. That's, that's the thing. Your preaching will totally be changed by that. Right. And you should prayerfully prepare for preaching. We should remember, St. Peter of Alcantara continues, and I finish. We should remember that in this exercise, we come rather to listen to God speaking to us than to speak to him. What is so important is not the sharp intellect, but the humble spirit. And some of you brothers may have an inclination towards intellect more. Your intellect may be more engaged in your prayer, and that can be okay. There was one time, 
I try to generalize things as much as possible. I was directing somebody, let's say it was a guy, and um, accompanying him in a retreat. And I really thought that he was just thinking way too much, you know? And I was concerned and I was trying to get in. And then I realized part of the way through the retreat that I was wrong, that his intellect and his way of like considering things, which sounded to me like super intellectual and way too speculative, actually was the place where he got set on fire. I was like, wow, I learned something, right? I learned something from everybody when I'm in direction. It's a great place, right? This is where God teaches me most probably. Well, maybe not most, but a lot. And so we don't want to disparage the intellect because for some people particularly, it may be an important part of their prayer. But for the rest of us, who it's, it's more of a distraction, right, that we get caught up in it, we need to be careful not to just get stuck here and never to move into the movement of the heart, the conversation with Christ, the recognition of the other, and this attentiveness to God, right, in some way, shape, or form, however that sort of works out. And so prayer always has to be you and I. It always has to be you and I. Um, not, not you and I, but me and God, or God and me, right? Because um, there's lots of times that I like to go to prayer without you. Nothing personal, but I, I love to pray in solitude. Um, so there's that. And we'll look at all of this in greater depth. You know, chapters 5 to 10 that I'll have you read for next week. We'll, we'll look at, okay, specifically, how does this work? But this is just more of an overview of where Teresa's going with the whole thing. Questions? Immediate questions about the chapter or clarifying things with, with anything in, uh, that we just uh, looked at? Or? Let me see if I have any... Good, okay. Let's wrap up for today then.